What's up? This is Shanti Shoestring Goss, and you're tuned in to Props. Shoestring in the house. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is your girl, Shanti Shoestring Doss, and welcome to episode seven of Props. I'm excited to be back. You guys can find us under the podcast section on iTunes. Um, we'll be tweeting this out today. Um, but the young man that we have on the phone right now, Oh, I don't even know where to start because I first learned of this uh, young man when I was 11 years old, and I watched him grow uh, as a father, a rapper, a CEO, a visionary, a fashion icon, mogul, blase, blase, blah, you name it, he's done it all. Um, let's give a warm welcome to the show to Michael Bivens. Yay. <laughs> Jack, Shanti, look at you trying to have intros. <laughs> what are you doing? What is this all about? How are you taking over the industry now? What what great idea is this that you are springing upon us that all love you so much? What is this? Uh, well, you know what? Content is king right now. And, you know, with technology and everything that's going on, you know, podcasts are really, like, taking over. And it's like a new way of interviewing everybody. And so... When I was in college at Syracuse, my major was radio, and I've always had a love for being an on-air disc jockey. A few years back, I had a radio show with Chris Weber that was on Sirius XM for about six months. And so you never know. You might find me on the airwaves somewhere, but right now I'm just testing the waters and, you know, taking advantage of all these wonderful relationships I have and, and just giving props to my people I love. And obviously you're one of the people that I love and respect and has always been so respectful to me particularly as a woman in hip-hop, like, I mean, I know it was crazy back in the day with the groupies, and, you know, obviously you guys, New Edition was the Beatles for me, and I had my crush on you and Ralph and everybody, but, like, y'all saw me working in the industry on the come-up and always, like, came at me in the most respectful way, and, like, I just give you huge props for that, and I got so much respect for you. Well, the, the thing about it is I know that's not a question. That's just a statement. I think that um, women show you how to treat them. And either, rather if you're a young man or a young adult or, or older man that know better, you, you kind of know when you see a real sister. And I don't think you've ever carried yourself any different. And no matter what, if we all looked at you and say she looks fly today, we did it in a way where we both could smile about it because it felt more like a compliment than somebody trying to right. talk to you on the side to be slick. So it always works. No, I appreciate that. Well, let's take it back to the early days. I mean, obviously you've been in this game uh, over 30 years and you've done some amazing things with your career. Uh, tell me what it was like you know, being a kid back in Roxbury, getting that shot to perform in the talent show, and, and making that first album, which was, you know, Candy Girl was y'all's debut album in '83. What was that like for you? Well, to be honest with you, when we were doing what we were doing, we didn't have the mindset that this is what we're going to do. We just got the call where to be and what we were doing. So to us, we wanted to get back to what we were doing before we was doing that, rather 
That'd be Ralph and Ricky flipping in the sandbox, me playing ball, Bobby wanting to be Michael Jackson and Ronnie going to school. So to us, <laughs> making the album, it was like, oh, man, how long are we going to be in the studio? Like nobody really realized we were being destined for something. We just looked at wow. it like they're taking us away from what we like to do every day. So we were kind of numb to it. It's not like we ever went home with a cassette. So it's not like we could even play it for our parents, what we was rocking to or to our friends outside of the group, what we was doing because we never had our hands on our own music. So the thing is, we wake up one day and the song's on the radio, and we're going crazy trying to call each other, but because we all had one-way lines, the lines were busy. <laughs> so, you know, we listening to WRP, the college radio station, and we're listening to WILD, the AM station, and we're hearing a song that was recorded in Maurice's house. We still don't know how it got from his house to the radio station. Like, how did, it, how did the radio station hear it? Like, we was asking ourselves the most stupidest questions because we were really numb. We didn't know that he pressed up a record now and brought it to the station. We was like, yo, how did they hear it? So it, it was all innocent, man, 14-year-old kids just being innocent. Oh, my God. I mean, and I can remember going to see you guys. I think I went to the first new edition show that was ever, you know, in Atlanta. I don't remember if it was at the Fox or the Civic Center. And this is a true story. So I was such a big new edition fan back in the day that I took my little boyfriend with me to the show. This is when you Mm -hmm. guys perform at Six Flags at the amusement park. Mm -hmm. And Mm y'all happened to walk through the park. Yo, I chased y'all around the whole park with my boyfriend in my hand. And he was like, yo, who are these dudes? I can't believe I'm letting my girl hold my hand and chase me around the park after another dude. Like, that's the kind oh of thing women. <laughs> so to this day, oh he always jokes with me about that. He was like, yo, you know, I blame New Edition because we didn't end up working out. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, that was Oh, crazy. my God. I mean, I well, you know, the crazy thing about it is the young boys didn't understand back then because, you know, they looked at it like the girls was liking us. But if he would have got to talk to us, he would have realized we was just some young boys from around the way, you know. But, you know, your excitement, I don't know, Shanti. Did, did, were y'all still friends after the show? Was it cool? No, <laughs> no we were. We were. But, I mean, again, like, for, especially for young African-American women, and then obviously you guys ended up crossing over, but you guys were the Beatles for us, you know. I, I was a little bit younger, um, and I kind of missed that whole Jackson's uh, revolution, but you guys picked right back up after that in terms of boy bands. And so just so much respect and props to you guys. All your albums, Candy Girl, New Edition, All for Love, you know, Heartbreak Home Again. And it's funny, some of the songs on those albums, some of my favorite ones, didn't even make it in terms of singles. Um, like, You're Not My Kind of Girl is still one of my favorite songs of all time from the Heartbreak album. And The Kind of Girls We Like and Lost in Love from the New Edition album. Like, I can go on and on and on. And that was the beauty right. about the music that you guys put out. Tell me how instrumental you were in, like, picking songs or picking producers, because I know that you did set the tone for a lot of what was done for the band. Well, no, no. Honestly, I ain't had no say so in none of the songs, and all of my parts. I know, I know. Ronnie's in concert talking about all he had was what about Ronnie? That was his only part. But the interesting part is, you know, they never called my number to sing a song. But 
I always had little singing parts from Popcorn Love to um, Talking Parts from Candy Girl to Popcorn Love to Mr. Telephone Man. So in actuality, when I thought I wasn't getting the ball because I wasn't doing all of the songs, I was always getting these little eight-bar features that now when you see us in concert and we go back in the day, I'm really on a lot of records. You I just are. didn't feel like I, I, it wasn't really a part of the song song, but I had my little part. And I said, man, I, I've kind of established myself as the little talker of the group and, you know, do a little singing part here and now and then. And then me and Ronnie with the rhyme. And I said, I, I love the position that they put me in and it made me comfortable. But there was only one part that I was more concerned about than the music. I used to always say, well, what is we going to wear? That was like my, my ultimate question, and it, you know, and it just seems like everybody would be like, "Okay, well, what are we gonna do?" So I took more responsibility in what we were wearing and working with the gentleman Curtis Gibson from Cleveland in designing mm-hmm. our suits. So all of those shiny sequin suits and all of that stuff, and no, no, it was him. It was him. We played with fabrics. This him, Curtis, was dope. He was doing the temps and everybody. But it was just one day, me and him had a call one day, and we was just talking about how do we shift the pocket square to make it unique for New Edition, and then that's when we put it on the arm. And I thought that was one of the coldest GQ statements because it's not traditional, babe, for your pocket square to be on your arm. It's traditional for it to be on your chest. That's dope. What about your videos? I mean, did you did you give um any direction like to the treatments or you know how you wanted your videos to go? No, nah, my thing was only thing I used to fight for, and I think it came through and cool it now. And it was on the telephone man album cover, Jacket Sleeve. Was if you just keep us singing, and you don't ever show us with no personality, then they're gonna just think we robots. So that's why in the Cooler Now video, you see the basketball court. That was to oh, keep okay. us close to the court. That's why right. if you bought the Mr. Telephone Man album and you pulled out the, the, the album, there's a picture of us in red and white, no edition basketball suits. Yep. And I used to say, like, this right here will make the other kids, the guys who think, you know, we're just trying to get their girlfriends feel like they're just like us because now they get to see us doing what they like to do. And so it was like that was the only thing I was putting input in is do not make us robots. Make sure we have some personality. That's dope. That's dope. Well, it definitely, you can see that carried out throughout your videos and and your performances. Now let's fast forward to 1990. And this is the 25-year anniversary of VVD, so congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys have been doing a lot of shows throughout the year. what you guys have anything else special planned for this year with that, or have you finished up your shows with that? Shanti, we're about to give people a brand new song that's age appropriate that we just cut with Eric Sermon. That's dope. Oh my! And the God. thing about it is, it's a new song for us, but the feel of it and the vibe of it, y'all done already heard it before. That's the crazy thing about it. When you hear it, you're gonna be like, "Get out of here, Mike, Ron, and Rick." But then you're going to be like, what a way to make a new record that already felt good to us. And now, if you guys were going to make a new record, I'm happy you made a new record in this style. That's all I can tell you. So when is it dropping? Shoot. They should be mixing tonight. 
I think Eric's going to go in the studio with Guru. He's going to mix it, then we're going to master it, and then, you know, you know the big homie Brooke will make the call. But believe me, you, it's coming quick, fast, and hurry. Oh <laughs> it's like God. that. You want to let it go. You don't want to sit on it. You want to let it go. Exactly. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. tell me this, because I was reading, I did a little research online. Was it? Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis's idea to start DVD, or how did that come about? Well, what was told to us is, is them and the guy, Lil Silas, thought about what to do while Ralph and Johnny go make their albums. And um, they just was like, well, you know, we call you guys Bell Bivens and the Bow, and we always thought that sounded a little too Ray Goodman and Brownish. So we broke it down to Bell Biv DeVoe, and we started off with... um a couple of ballads and Smile Again, I Do Need You. And those were the first records we recorded. And um, mm-hmm. Ricky did a hell of a job on those ballads. And yes, then, um, to, be honest with you, to be honest with you, the guy that really, really sent us into a vibe, not so much the records, is um, when I played those songs for Gerald Busby. And I said, what do you think? He said, these records is cool, but I think y'all need to get out of L.A. The sound is coming east to west. So we had left L.A. and we went east, but then Hiram Hicks, he had that girl, she's dope. He had Poison on the cassette, and he had played those for me. Then we played it for Ron. We played it for Rick, and Ron was like, yo, man, if you give us Poison, I'll, I'll give my vote to have you be our manager. So once we had that Poison Wait, and so, thing. So Hiram yeah, Hiram gave us Poison. Mm-hmm. He had the demo. Hiram had the cassette of Poison and Dope. And he was like, yo, Ben, which uh-huh. record you like? I said, I love Dope. Then we went over to Rouse House, and Ron was over there. And I was like, Ron, you got to hear these joints. He was like, yo, that record there is crazy. He was like, if you give me Poison, you got my vote. So, of course, wow. he got us Poison, and Hiram became our manager. And then Ricky, you know, he was like, okay, this cool. He didn't like it either way or the other. And then after yeah. we finished those tools, we went east to Hank Shockley. And then that's when I thought it was me and all of the rest of the album came together. So Gerald sent us on the vibe. Um, Wokey and Timmy Gavin set the tone with um, Smile Again and I Do Need You. Hiram came mm-hmm. with the bangers, Poison and Dope, and Hank Shockley and them brought it home. That's the whole vibe of the first album. So you know what's crazy? I just ran into Keith Shockley in Atlanta a couple weeks ago, and I didn't realize he worked on the Poison remix with his brother. Well, he did everything. People programming drums with Eric Styler. They was all over. I thought it was me. But what they did was... crazy. The interesting thing, too, is Lil Silas went and did a, a rush mix of Poison. And when we heard it, we wasn't really into it when we was up in MCA. We was like, that shit don't sound hot. And he was looking at us like, what you mean? I'm the I'm the master of mixing. And so out of nowhere, Hiram said, hold up. I got another version from Hank Shockley. Hank put that public enemy shit on it with them drums, and it was knocking. So when you hear poison, you're hearing it being mixed by somebody else who gave us an alternative version to listen to that delivered the the grits and the guts of the record that makes it dope. And we had another version that sounded too R&B-ish. So shouts to Hank and Keith for them because they gave us the version that we all still listen to today. 
Oh, wow. That's so dope. Yeah, I'm going to interview Keith um, in a couple weeks. But it's just so great. Like, I think because music has changed a lot now, and don't get me wrong, it's some great music out there, but I just don't think songs are being made the way they used to be when we were coming up in the game. And it's just so much rich, rich history out there. And I just, man, I give you guys props for just, you can go to, any club now, and, and Poison will come on, and it'll still feel like, you know, we, we rocking back in the 90s. Like, you know, 90s music is has made a comeback, and I think the millennial generation is kind of obsessed with the 90s. I don't know if you see that in some of your shows, but, like, you guys really, really set the pace and tone, you know, for urban and pop music back in the day, and I just give you major props for that. Mm. Wow. Wow. I mean, well, you know, real props. I think I think what it is is, you know, you know how Thriller is a monster. You know how um, Nas is Illmatic is a monster. You know, Snoop Doggy Dogs, Doggy Style is a monster. You know, you guys putting a label in Atlanta and bringing all that talent out of there with a LaFace and all the execs that came with it. At some point in time in life, there's always moments that define things. I think Poison is a part of a defining moment for the 90s. One, because there's three underdogs. Two, we have four dope dances in the video that was different than MC Hammer's dances because it was only four of them that had energy. And then three, any time the record starts it gets you from the rip. And when you give a person the first 10 seconds to hear a song, that's when they get the most excited. And those snares get you excited. So 25 years later, what it was doing to you in the 90s, it still does to you again in the 1 o'clock morning hour when the DJ want to turn up the party and take it to another level. And that's just a monster that every artist wish they had. Because without that monster, I don't know if people's careers can be sustained because you don't have that one record that people right. can identify when things get slow. I mean, shit right. does get slow. You know, just think about it. I'm going to give you a prime example. Dougie Fresh is popular for the show, but Dougie Fresh found a defining moment on how to be the world's greatest entertainer because at some point in time, the show and Lottie Dottie just became two classics. But guess what now? Doug could go do an hour show with everybody else's music because he defined his moment in the music business with just two records. That's a defining moment, how to survive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even, like, like look at Johnny. I mean, Johnny's still making great music, but he has My, My, My and Rub You the Right, right Way, which were, like, huge hits for him for, like, 20 years. And as a result, he can go and do major shows, you know, out of the country and all throughout the U.S. And, and you're right. you got to have those monster records. And just props to y'all for, for having those monster records. Um, I want to just fast forward real quick to the visionary and the music mogul um, when you started Biv 10 Records. Where did you get your inspiration to start your own record company? And, you know, for those of you guys out there that don't know, uh, Mike is responsible for ABC, which is another bad creation, which were like my little brothers back in the day with K-Wells and the whole crew and obviously Boys and Men and that whole vision, um, MC Brain 702. Just talk a little bit about what that process was like and are you going to start back up 
and find some more talent, or was that just kind of a moment in time for you? Um, just tell us what's going on on the music side with you for other artists. Well, right now I got Sporty Rich Entertainment, which is an extension of Biv Ten, because Biv Ten is resting somewhere real nice in its own little place. And Sporty Rich is really a fashion line, which is for the guy that likes to rock a T-shirt and jeans and have a sporty vibe, have a rich man's mentality whenever he's in the room with a, a tuxedo or anybody from the neighborhood. And yep. I have one artist out of Boston called the Beano Boys Crew, who I've been with for four years, that I, I've been developing them and getting them ready, and I'm just about to give the world my vision of them. But lately we've just been on the grind, just bringing awareness in Boston and moving up the East Coast. But they will be the next statement from the alumni artists from Bip 10. And back then when I was 20 and I was looking at it, it was really because I wanted to be like Teddy Riley. I just thought really? what Teddy was doing. Yeah, I thought what Teddy was doing you know, it was two things he was doing I liked. He was making great records and putting people on, and he always kept a tight hairline. So mm-hmm. my thing was I want to put out groups like Teddy, and I went up town to Harlem and, and found this barber because I wanted my line to be as crispy as Teddy's line. So to uh, me, that, that, that was my idol at that time. It's just that I knew that when I did my groups, I wasn't going to um, be coming from a producer's point of view. I was going to be coming from a visionary point of view. So Boys to Men is a part of the vision. ABC was a part of the vision. And the contribution I did for BBD and just making sure that we had our, our element with the um, the graffiti, this, that, and the third, and bringing the shirt kings from Queens to doing our clothes and spray painting our first tour stage, you know, for my man Eric B. Those are my contributions. And... Those were some of the best times in my life. And, and God willing, things will happen again this time. But I only got one artist, and I only want one artist. I'm not trying to be a full-fledged record label. I'm just trying yeah. to help some kids from Boston. I want to make a movie. I want my clothing line to be on the second and third floor of Macy's. And I want it to rep- and, and I want to represent all of the young athletes and artists that feel as though they don't get an opportunity to put on a clothing that represents them to say I'm sporty, but I got I'm, I feel rich in my ideas and to style them to bring in a new style for a new generation. I think that's so dope because that's the one thing about you that I always admire is your attire and what you got on. It's always I mean sporty is the perfect like you know adjective to describe because like. It, your stuff is just, it's always cool. You know, it comes from a place of, of style, but it has a little street edge oh, to it. No. Um, I love it. And speaking of Sporty Rich, there's a great snapback on the uh, Sporty Rich apparel site that I got to have. It's out of stock right now. You mean but, the gray with the um, the royal blue SR? Yo, I got to have that. I, I got that in my trunk. You got you want the gray one. That's the first one. That's the first one. That's the gray one with the royal blue SR. You will have that in two days. That's done. I need that in my life. Like I'm. We're done. Yeah. I'm done. I gotta have Anything I'm I could do cool. for you is done. I'm filming something next week for JD, so I'm gonna wear that on the show. So I'm gonna rock that. Oh my God! Just text me that address. That'll be in the mail tomorrow. That's on me. And I see the show that he's doing, and I'm proud of him because. 
you know, he, I, I, I say short little guys rule because we're the little guys. But you know, <laughs> and I'm the little, short people rule. Period. Because I'm the like short people rule. Too. That's what I'm saying. And I was just saying that I see him filming two weeks in, and you know, our generation, man, we're just at that point where we got so much information, Shanti, that. This podcast ain't nothing but information, babe. Everything you done seen and been through. And then the one thing about it is, even though you calling us to give us our props before we get off, let me just say this. There's probably been a time in your career when you sat home after moving from Motown and LaFace and the various jobs you done took to stay afloat and to use your talent. Mm -hmm. And you probably sat there sometimes and said, well, who am I? Mm-hmm. What did I do? What's my accomplishment? What points did I put on the board? And I don't even know if you had a moment where you probably felt like some of your closest friends didn't want to take care of you and give you a job or make sure you was what? eating or even just picked the up the phone. The last six years. The last six but listen, years. But listen, or even picked up the phone and said, listen, I'm not calling to hire you. I'm just calling to make sure you're breathing. You're at the age where women and men start getting sick. We get hereditary things from our parents and our and our ancestors of things that can kick in later in life that you can't even see till you get older. Just to make sure you don't have nothing else going on that I wasn't aware of that just hit you from going to get your checkups and your doctor. That shit is so important and people don't realize it. Sometimes when you don't put your blood, sweat and tears on the line for other people Damn it, can I just get a call sometimes just to make sure I'm okay and I'm going to have a turkey on my table for Thanksgiving? Just let me know what I did mean something or it meant something. I would say, I would say about you is that I would hope that people give you your props and call you and check on you for those that you've helped be in front of the camera and become celebrities or stars or whatever they call themselves. Because the people in the background put in tireless hours of work and sometimes go unnoticed. And now is the time to get your roots, fruits of your labor because it's years later, and I'm sure you wonder. Mm. I want to keep telling my stories what I did. I would love to hear mm-hmm. from someone that shared the story with me. Mhm. Wow. Whew, you about to make me get emotional up here because, I mean, one thing I'll share with you that I started talking about personally, and this is a whole other topic for a different podcast, but I suffer from depression. And um, over the years, you know, my father committed suicide when I was growing up, and people didn't know it. You know, I, I worked really hard. I think I turned that tragedy into just, you know, a triumph of trying to be this uber successful entertainment executive. And since I walked away from the business, you know, I left Motown. I quit at the top of my game and moved back home to be closer to my mom who has Alzheimer's. And uh, it's been rough. You know, now I'm an entrepreneur. It's ups and downs in the game. And I can't tell you how many people that I thought would be there for me, you know, during this period in my life that hadn't been there, Mike. And it really is like God's covering and protection. And don't get me wrong, there's some people I can obviously still get on the phone that have been there, but it's like a real slap in the face. Um, but it's refreshing to know, you know, who really supports you and, and where to find your courage and strength from because there's been some really dark days for me. And, you know, I just have to sit there and, and encourage myself. But I just thank you for saying that because. People don't know how stressful it it is um, when you do pour your life into helping everybody else kind of see their dreams through. And then, you know, when the tables are turned and and you're looking for that support, you know, some people aren't there. But, you know, that's how life is. But 
um, I, I respect you for saying that. Well, it's real talk, and you know, it ain't no gas. I'm just telling you what it is, man. I'm from no I'm cut from that cloth, and that's how I see life. Because I have people that I've helped that don't check on me, but I smile because I got so much prayers in me, and I see my blessings drop every day that I, I don't. I don't let it bother me the way it should, but I look at it like, mm-hmm. wow, where was the characters I thought I was building? I thought mm-hmm. I was building characters. I didn't want to just make you a star. I wanted to make you mm-hmm. a personality that meant something in your community, that showed you a sense of gratitude and gratefulness, man. And, and, and some of them missed the class. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know? Before I let you go, can you tell me, um, I heard a little bit of rumblings about a new edition TV show, a special with DET. Is that still happening? Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, Monday we're getting on the plane um, and we're going to L.A. We um, we have a meeting Monday morning with the BET staff. It's a new edition miniseries, three nights. Wow. And we're just going to map out a few things, you know, get in touch with the um, casting lady. You know, help them understand how we see it, you know, how each night is going to move here, their ideas. And it's the first of many meetings. So we are definitely going west November 2nd. It's in the books. It's going down. And um, we're going to be up in the L.A. offices talking that talk. Because my thing is I want this to be an R&B godfather and a blueprint for anybody that wants to understand how to get down in this game. So is it going to be a biopic or is it going to be like a documentary? It's going to be five kids in Orchard Park growing up to today, giving you the insides of what you haven't seen. It will not be a bunch of limousines driving with girls banging on the back of the limo like Michael Jackson. We're about to tell you why me and this kid don't get along, why this kid is an a-hole, why this kid is really the the nucleus that keeps it together, such as all of the things you don't know. Mm. You know what I mean? The things you don't know that when you leave the theater, you go, my God, and I thought I knew everything. No, you only knew what we showed you. You didn't know what we didn't tell you, you know? So when you leave, you get a better perspective of who Ricky Bell is, the quiet one. No, money's not quiet. (laughs) That's Ricky. That's the old G. He ain't quiet, and he got attitude. So here it is. I cannot wait for this because you know I am one of the original candy girls. You know, as you so yeah, no. eloquently put it. Yeah, come on, it is what it is, and you still rap it to this day. And just look at it this way: there was some rumblings about people wondering if Bobby's going to be a part of it. And this is what I would say to them because we're family. If Bobby's not a part of this movie because he chooses not to sign the contract that we've all signed because of feelings and personal reasons that he has, that he doesn't want to be a part of it. And as somebody that's been knowing him since nine, that was in two groups with him before New Edition. So we go way Hmm. back further. I would just say, I would just say, think about those Christmases. Think about those roaches in your cereal. And those times you didn't get those gifts that me and you talked about in front of the building because things wasn't right in the crib. Think about those days and ask yourself, if it wasn't for N.E., what would life would have been like for me? How can I not be at the finish line with something I built? Wow. 
Well, I just want to thank you. I mean, you, you guys have created and built a legacy um, that is to be celebrated. Um, again, just you being a visionary, um, a leader in your community, and all that you've done from a philanthropic standpoint in Boston, all that you're doing for the young generation. I, I just salute you. I thank you. I'm so excited to continue and celebrate in BBD and the 25-year anniversary. And I want to do something special for you guys in Atlanta. So let's really figure that out. I'd love to have a sidebar with you. And let's do something so that we can honor you guys in Atlanta, especially being kind of like the mecca of entertainment in the South. I think you guys deserve that. I know you performed this year at Chastain, but, but let's really celebrate and honor BBD in Atlanta. And, and I'd be honored if, if you allowed me to do that for you guys. So, I just want to thank you and um, continue props. And I'm always here if you need anything. Um, I just, you know, I got so much love and respect for you, Mike. Likewise. Come on. You know, this wasn't an interview. This was a conversation. Let's do it. No doubt. As friends talk, tell everybody how they can reach you on social media. Well, they want to find me. I'm Mike Dev on Twitter. I'm at 617MikeBiv on Instagram, and I'm Michael Bivens on Facebook. I have a fan page that exceeded five, and I have a like page. Either one is good enough. I take the request, and that's the easiest way to rock with me. Love is love. This was an incredible podcast, and I wish you nothing but the best. And remember, props is not only given, but props was also earned by yourself. And I thank you, Shanti. Uh, thank you, Mike. All right, y'all give it up for Michael Bivens. Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right, Mike. I'll let you later. All right. Later. I got you. Send me that address. I'll get that hat off and send my trunk. It's I got coming one. right now. Right now. All right. All right. Okay. Bye.